Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another in this current series of Spotlight on Serious Decisions, where we're talking about a whole series of topics which have been aired this week at the Serious Decisions 2019 Summit. And, of course, our main focus has been marketing. You can't really talk about marketing these days without talking about sales and the alignment between the two. But I think beyond that, you also have to be talking about things like supply chain and customer service and product. And product is going to be our main focus in this podcast, and in particular, high-performance product management. And with me, I have Lisa Singer, who's Senior Research Director in the Product Management Advisory Service at Serious Decisions. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have been doing some research, so you actually have some real facts and figures rather than just a a general description about where product management is going. So could you tell us a little bit about the research? Sure. Um, One of the things that we have done over the past couple years is we've been collecting data from product management leaders. And we've been asking them, what do they do? What What do they do in terms of understanding customer needs, making product investment decisions, pricing and packaging, product life cycle? We're asking them how closely they align with certain um, uh, strategies and disciplines that we recommend. And then we're also asking them how well they're doing Right. in terms of are they meeting their product goals? Are they meeting their revenue goals? Are they meeting their average selling price goals? And what we've done is we've been able to identify uh, what is high performance product management and then correlate some of the activities that high-performing management product management teams do and use that to teach our serious decisions audience what they might do in order to really push their their teams to be more high performance yeah I think that this uh, approach has the great virtue of clarity and that Once you're able to distinguish those high performers in product management, you're actually able to quantify just how many of them are doing certain important things. And some of the numbers are, I think, quite staggering. You find, like, really, if you're a high performer, you are very, very likely to be doing this, that, and and the other. So I think it would be useful to um, work through some of these because, in effect, the implication is that these are priorities for any product product managers anywhere. The first one I have on my list, and it almost seems basic, it's understanding your customers' needs. Talk about that. Yeah. It seems like it would be basic, um, but a lot of product managers spend a lot of time where they're comfortable, with the development team, working on things like user stories or grooming the backlog. They're more comfortable there in many ways. And they often don't get out and talk to customers and we're trying to we're trying to get them out there a little bit more and we did find that high-performing organizations which by the way we defined as organizations that tell us that 75 percent or more of their products Mm -hmm. reach their revenue goals right which is pretty incredible Um, about about on average we found that they would the 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 pool of um, the cohort would say we would reach 50% of product goals. So the high performers, we said, let's take those 75 plus people, plus uh, companies, and see what they do. 
turns out 88% of them, almost all of them, yep. focus a great deal on customer needs. And um, the reason it makes them more high performing is they are, because they're going out and talking to customers, in probably in many different ways as far as we can tell from customer interviews to perhaps lead user research, maybe, maybe customer advisory councils, because they're doing that, they might be uncovering needs that other companies are not. Um, they might be identifying new needs and figuring out solutions to meet those needs. So it's not, it's not like they're innovating great, you know, great inventions. Yeah. It's just as, as simple as going out and talking to your customers and you really can find those needs that you're not going to find sitting uh, with with the development team or or you know sitting at your desk working on user stories. This must be right. I mean, I don't have the data, but I have the anecdotes. Well, in the software space, I'm familiar with the more impressive vendors, the more successful vendors. They'll tell me that their roadmaps are really built out by what their customers are asking for. Mm -hmm. It's all part of the same thing. Yeah, it it is um, one of the one of the frames frameworks that we have. It's called the Needs Aperture, mm -hmm. and it helps our clients really focus on the needs they're looking for. Are they looking for needs that customers have now or ones that they have far in the future? Um, it helps them focus on what segment they're looking at, what kind of customers. And then it helps helps them prioritize needs, So, which is important. Yeah. And um, some of the things that I, I, I cover pricing a lot, so I talk a lot about trying to find the highest value needs, right? And um, so what we often recommend is when product managers go and talk to their customers, find, see if you can ask a little bit more to find out the value of the need. Right. If you don't solve the need, how much is it costing you or how much are you losing in productivity? How much are you losing in potential revenue? Yeah. And ideally, you know, the high performance um, product management teams are finding those highest value needs so that they can get the most value in return and provide the most value for the customers. This relates to the product portfolio, of course, doesn't it? Because you, you can't invest haphazardly if you're going to be a high performer. Deciding where to invest in the product portfolio, how do people go about that? Uh, well, from the results I saw from our little polling data that we did during our presentation today, not very well. <laughs> um, the goal is to look at all your investment opportunities and evaluate them based on criteria beyond what is the business, what does the financial business case say? Oh. I mean, every product manager might be proposing something with a financial business case. In a financial business case, you're making so many assumptions about the price you might charge, the volume you might capture. It's a shot in the dark. So what we recommend organizations do is look at other criteria like how strong is the market? Um, is this, is this um, investment idea part of our overall strategy? Do we have the goods to win? Do we understand that industry? Do we have a good channel into that market? And another thing is how important is that need? So what we recommend is that organizations look at this comprehensive set of criteria and we have a scorecard yep. um, before making their decisions. And 
you know, what we're seeing is this, it's a, a slog towards improvement because often in many companies, especially technology companies, you're seeing that decisions are often made about who screams the loudest, course, right? Yes, yes. The most senior person in the room, their decision is often, you know, the one that might be invested in. And some of these, you know, some cultural norms are, are, are hard to break, yeah. but... Um, we're working towards it. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that seems to me to be really representative of what Serious Decisions is doing in so many of these areas, is to provide, instead of going by your gut or who shouts the loudest, actually provide a kind of template for a reasonable decision-making process. Yeah, I wish I had had it when, <laughs> certainly when I was a, a product manager, we would look at financials, yeah. pretty much. And there's, I mean, that that's most of the organizations are certainly looking at that. Um, it, but it makes sense to have a range of criteria, not too much so that you're bogged down. Sure. But um, yeah, your your gut is man. Your gut can be right some of the time. I won't, uh, you know. But many times uh, there's many things to consider, and we, we what we try to do is provide a framework of considerations yeah. so that business decision teams, product managers, at least know like what to consider before making their decision. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And here's one which really jumped out at me from your research. Extraordinary, I mean, like almost every company which was, perform which was a high performer in this area, they've given consideration to pricing and packaging. Now we always say pricing and packaging. I'm not sure how important packaging is. Perhaps, it's, perhaps I'm overlooking its importance, but pricing is crucial, isn't it? Right. Well, the reason pricing and packaging are together is many times when uh, a client comes to me, they say, um, I'm, losing, I'm losing out in the market, I'm, I'm um, losing on price. Right. And often what they've done is overpackaged their offering. Oh, okay. So the way you configure your offering um, is so critical. And in, in, the, um, in the research we provide, we suggest, first of all, you understand buyer value and how buyers are different, and then you package or configure your offering based on those different needs of different buyers. Some buyers want a lot of service. Some buyers want a lot of features. Configure that for them. Some want bare bones, or, or, and some are in the middle. So it turns out, especially with SaaS, um, where it is very easy to configure different different offerings, sure. that packaging is almost more important than price, because it, it you could be overpackaged and then suddenly high priced when you're really not. So, uh, you know, when organizations are now pricing packaging and pricing their offering, they're first thinking of the configuration, and then they're thinking about how am I selling my offering? What is the um, What's the pricing model? Is it by seat? Is it by user? Is it by you know some usage metric? That's all part of, of how you're packaging and pricing your offering. Much more important than the than the than the number than the actual price point. Right, but it seems to be really important as a concept because the, the number I scribbled down is 95% of high performers are really paying attention to some folks and it sounds like you can't be a high performer if you don't get this right. Yeah, yeah, and I I would say more and more companies are starting to embrace a better pricing uh, strategy. 
not a not a week goes by when I'm not asked by a client, how do I move to value-based pricing right. as opposed to cost plus? And especially what, with software where, especially SaaS, where every unit doesn't cost you very much, so value, uh, variable costs are not that important. Um, so the economics of, a, of, a, of software already lead you more towards value-based pricing. Um, so there, more and more clients are asking, how do I do this? Um, even manufacturing clients who are, many are looking to get, maybe find a way to have a subscription model, things like that. They're looking for new ways to price and package. They're offering new models, um, all for serving the customer better, for sure, yeah. pricing based on value, keeping some stickiness in their product as well. So it's, it's critically important, not just when you launch a product, but through its life cycle. I know you also talk about agility, and you know, in the product context, people immediately think of uh, agile development, but are you talking more about agility in responding to customers and understanding their needs? What, what's your understanding of agility in this context? Certainly, um, un yes, responding to customers, understanding their needs, being, being customer-focused, uh, looking at what the data is showing you in terms of are your customers using some of the features that you've rolled out? Um, are they getting the value you expected? Uh, are our customers, you know, confused by, by your product? Um, one of the things that we see product management has struggles with is a lot of ideas and input come from a lot of places. Come, they come from salespeople, customers, executives, um, support people, and they they have they have to get their arms around all this different type of input and know how to respond. And it, and it's 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 challenging. Right. It really is challenging to be able to group all the input to be able to assign some value to fixing uh, some of the things in their product. But I would say certainly being agile or, or <clears throat> agility means listening, making sure you go out there with uh, hypotheses and see if you are right or not. And you yep. could do that with, with products, you could do that with pricing too. I often work with clients to, to when they're looking for a new pricing model, Go out there and test it and see, you know, test it among a certain group and then respond. So I think a lot of what is about agile and agility is listening to the market and working to, towards categorizing that, that feedback to take action. Right. I think that, that brings us nicely to the, the last thing I wanted to raise with you, which is the question of the, the structure of the team, roles and responsibilities within the team. And I'm going to guess there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to this, but it's another thing it's important to get right. So what sort of considerations do you bring to that? Right, right. Um, pretty much everybody's got a different definition of what product management should do. Uh, we find it really differs from one company to the next, um, it, it's, it's really remarkable. And one of the things that we recommend is that the product manager have commercial responsibility, have responsibility for the commercial success of the product. Right. That's important because if they don't, I don't know who would. Um, they have a view of the market, 
they understand um, the costs involved in the product. They, uh, they certainly have a view to what your, the organization can do in terms, of, in terms of core competencies. So we feel strongly that they, sh they have, um, they're responsible for the commercial success. And the, the issue is that, okay, then what are their roles and responsibilities if they have that? Yeah. Um, so they're responsible for understanding customer needs, but mostly, uh, you know, certainly with the end point of identifying opportunities in the market and then ensuring certainly customer satisfaction and, and, and that they're, they're meeting the needs of the customer. Right. So identifying market opportunities, articulating those market opportunities. Sometimes product managers aren't so great at that. Right, they're not. They're they're sometimes not great at championing their 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 market opportunity, and then managing all those different pieces that go into um, creating a product, and that's not just the development or the manufacturing. It's also making sure that the the supply chain is working. Yeah. Right uh, now, they are not managing the supply chain. But they have to make sure before things are launched that yes, we're ready to go. The product is, is in the is in the, the pricing engine, the product can be sold, the support people know what to do if a call if a call comes in. And so the range of responsibilities really covers that. Um, sort of make it you know, I compare the product manager to an orchestra conductor. Right. Where the orchestra conductor is not playing in the instrument, um, but they're responsible for ensuring that each musician plays the note just right with one another. Similarly, the product managers are not writing the code, they're not managing the supply chain, but they have yeah. to make sure it's all working together for commercial success. It's interesting. It, it, it's worth emphasizing, I think, what a sea change there has been, because I can remember, I may be going back a few years, there was a time when product managers would say, I've made a very nice product, I'm going to put it on the shelf, and if you guys want to go and market it and sell it, go ahead. But it's not like that anymore. It's, it's a matter of all these various teams being in alignment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have to be in alignment. Um, without that, um, you could have product managers developing products for markets that your go-to-market team is not even focused on. So they really all have to be focused on what's the opportunity and what market are we going towards? And you have to make sure that, can the, that the sales team can market to that market, that the sales team can market the product, can sell the product that you're offering. Right. They might not be able to, which means in your business case, you have to add in sales enablement or adding a new channel or whatever it might be. And so it used to be product managers did a business case just on the product development, right. nothing else. Not anymore. What what we recommend now is they do a business case based on development and go to market and being successful. You might need a new customer success team to really be successful. Um, and especially with the move towards subscription businesses, um, organizations might need completely new capabilities. Yeah. And so a new idea and a business case it's not just a product anymore. It's all about the entire customer experience that a customer is feeling with that, with that organization. Um, 
we did a survey a couple years ago of B2B buyers. Yeah. We, we do it about every other year. And we asked them, what are the top drivers for choosing a vendor? These were recent buyers, um, B2B buyers buying you know, major, um, major products. The number one response was previous experience with the company. So in B2B, unlike B2C, um, your buyers are buying into the company. They're right. not just buying a product. They're expecting a certain level of service. They're expecting something when they pay their bills. They're expecting a certain level of service from your salesperson. So a product manager can't stand out there just alone with the product uh, right. anymore. Um, and it turns out, by the way, price is number three on the list. Like, I think it's 85% of the people say previous experience with the company is the most important. Wow. Yeah, that is so important. So this whole thing that we're talking about at the summit about together and alignment, we've been talking about this stuff for as long as Serious Decisions has been around, but especially now in the last couple years, um, we, are, we are seeing the results of alignment from our yes. clients and trying to bring that message to more organizations so they're successful as well. Okay, perfect place to land mm -hmm. the conversation. Lisa, Good. thank you for the insights. Thank you so much.